Education T-Saw, Episode 7, Take 4, <laughs> Extensive Reading. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, sorry about the uh, the music last week. I'm still working on my mixing skills, which are still fairly well non-existent. <laughs> anyway, I am Scott, and this is also Scott. Welcome back, everybody. We have an exciting show for you this week. Yes, yes, we have a first on Edgy Tsol. Edgy We're gonna sound intelligent. Uh, no, no, that's later. <laughs> uh, we have a special guest. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Yes, really. our special guest this week is Dr. Tracy Kramer. He's not a doctor. He doesn't have medical training? No. What's the whole ER thing then? Well, we tried to get George Clooney, but he was busy and he doesn't know anything about extensive reading anyway. Or, Nobody dates hot women, so hey, there is, is that. This is true, this is true. So, our special guest, please uh, introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Tracy Kramer, and no, I'm not really a doctor, nor am I even someone who is an associate professor, as my business card states, but I am a man with five years of hard-earned, in-the-trenches education, and I'm ready to share it with you. All right. Cool. Um, you want to nice get the first question? Yeah. Um, so. Well, today we are going to tell our readers, our readers, our readers. listeners about extensive reading. And uh, so why don't we just get right into it and what exactly is extensive reading? Well, extensive reading as practiced by college students in Japan and elsewhere around the world is reading large amounts of simple text or text that is at or even slightly below the reader's current reading ability and um, with the idea that the learner will develop uh, their reading confidence and become more fluent readers. So reading stuff like what? Fiction and nonfiction, um, all genres, uh, stories that are being retold, that is classics that were written a hundred years ago by Mark Twain and then uh, simplified, or original stories including suspense, romance, drama, and nonfiction factual readers about various countries and other areas of interest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where do the students primarily get these resources, these authentic and authenticated uh, stories? Well, in my case, I supply the students with them. We have a class library. I spent some research funds and have a box of about 100 books, and so each student has about four books to choose from each week. Um, but they, of course, are available in bookstores, and um, most university libraries also have a significant selection of these books for foreign or second language learners, not only in English, but other languages as well. These books are commonly known as graded readers. Yeah, um, Oxford was... puts them out there, mm. um, Penguin puts them out there, mm. who else has, has them? Cambridge University Press, Macmillan House, Macmillan Language House, and uh, there are more publishers coming along all the time. There is now Rick Publications, and uh, and there are various various series within the that each of those publishers uh, put out. But mm -hmm. it's fair to say that Oxford and Penguin probably are the biggest dogs 
in yeah, Japan. Yeah, they have the largest selection of books. And um, but the other publishers, including Macmillan, are expanding their line considerably, and that really points to the growing popularity of extensive reading in general. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. great thing about these readers, because um, I've used them in the past also, is that they have many levels. They go from, what's the, the lowest level? Well, now there are levels where there are maybe even 50 headwords, and a headword is, um, well, a, it's a part of a word family, and a word family is um, basically, a word that. Yeah. Give us an example. Don't worry. Help. The word helpful. Help, helpful, helping. Um, well, you name it. There help are many wishes. more. Helpless. Helpless. Help. <laughs> Thank Helplicious, you. Helplicious, yes. <laughs> all right. So, very, very common English word. So they start as low as, I don't know, 50 headwords, all the way up to uh, what they call bridge editions, which are maybe even 1,800 headwords, and, and the next kind of book a student can read after that is an authentic uh, for native speaker text. All right. Okay. So, but usually university level, um, they're into the actual grade readers that are one, well, for Oxford, let's say one through six. That's right. Yeah. And in fact, I'm hearing from the publishers more and more and, and also from colleagues that even levels four through six are too high for what we want our students to be doing, which is reading as much as possible. Typically, a book a week is the ideal. All right. Okay, so the the typical classroom, you know, the, the traditional idea of a classroom is, you know, come in, do some drills, uh, you know, uh, take a test and stuff like that. How does extensive reading figure into that? Because extensive reading is about trying to get the students to read for pleasure, right? That's right. But okay. So, how a, does it move? Whoops. How does it move from that into a into a classroom atmosphere? How how can I grade students on this kind of stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. And a teacher and there's a lot of discussion about that. And it, most every teacher handles it differently. It seems, um, but there there are some commonalities. Uh, a lot of teachers, uh, in order to make sure that the students are actually doing the reading act ask the students to, for some kind of performance, <laughs> mm. they ask them to write a short summary or a short reaction report. And as in my class, I don't tie very much grade-wise their, their performance on their summary writing and their reaction writing to the grade that I give them for actually reading the book. Um, some teachers will give their students quizzes. Some of the publishers have um, put out quizzes. Uh, and a lot of instructors don't want to give their teachers quizzes because, or their students quizzes because the, the students start to feel like what they're doing, well, they're going to be graded on everything they do. So they start reading their books uh, intensively. They start to look up every word uh, in, the, in the book that they don't know, and they try to memorize things, and they do the activities in the back of the book, and, and they start to get away from the main purpose of the reading, which is uh, to develop their reading fluency. In other words, to become to be able to recognize words uh, more automatically so that they're not doing word-by-word -word reading, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that they're finally learning to read words in groups and therefore uh, learning to, um, in order to develop their comprehension. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. Um, well, tell us, uh, so you're, hi, everybody. Uh, so 
in I have two questions and they're both trying to come out at the same time. One is about history. Where did this come from? How long have you been in it? Let's start with that. How long have you been how long have you been interested in extensive reading? Where did you find out about it? Um, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing this now for three years and uh, I, I learned about it first in graduate school years ago, but it was just an abs another another acronym, another abstract concept until three years ago at a workshop in Osaka. Uh, one of the presenters, Rob Waring is his name, gave a pre presentation, a very um, uh, effective presentation on extensive reading, and he had a lot of people after that uh, taking it up. He's quite an effective um, presenter. And prior to that, uh, he had published through Oxford University Press a uh, brochure called uh, Oxford Graded Readers, The Whys and Hows of Using Graded Readers. It doesn't um, uh, describe Oxford University Press's books, but the process by which um, students can learn how to do extensive reading. Um, he published this about six years ago in Japan, and I think after that, extensive reading really started to take off in this country. Uh, but it does have a, a long history elsewhere. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is it, is there much, uh, I don't know what, I want to say market penetration, because that doesn't quite sound right, but, <laughs> um, but for lack of a better term, the idea is the same. Is there institutional in, in, in penetration? It doesn't sound right either. Is there penetration? Yeah. <laughs> in the in the in the US or in Canada, uh, or English speaking where where you're in an immersion environment as opposed to here where we're in Japan. Mm, Any idea? I'm told that in Canada and the United States it's it's barely a dent in in terms of sales for the, the major publishers of ESL and EFL textbooks. Mm. England, though, has a long history with extensive reading, and they are graded readers, and before they even called it extensive reading. And back in the 60s, they were doing um, extensive reading there, and they have quite a few graded readers out um, and available that, that we just don't have access to here. Mm. I, would, I would have to say, though, that it is um, prevalent in the States. When I was teaching at mm. the middle school in Houston, mm. um, most of the English classrooms had fairly uh, good libraries uh, for the students to pull from when they finished their whatever assignment and they had they weren't the graded readers that we know per se mm -hmm. um, maybe more like the highlights magazines All that right, okay. we had when we were kids Weekly or you can find in your uh, mm -hmm. doctor's Office. waiting room yeah, yeah. that yeah. are four years old and 40 years old <laughs> <laughs> but um they had that and they are graded to a level um and so this the students do have access to that mm -hmm. and this was an english language arts slash esl classroom so okay mm -hmm. well okay so we we have the graded readers i remember graded readers from from a long time back using them this is extensive reading is using them in a different whoo, I'm blown out. Uh, use <laughs> focus, focus. Extensive reason reading is using them in a different way, mm. right? Different way from I'm sorry. from well, what you what you would consider traditional text usage. Yes, I mean, when I say traditional text usage, I mean, okay, every now, Tommy, you read. The first page, everybody follow along with your finger. What new vocabulary words did we find? What's the grammar structure? What's the subject? What's the noun? Mm. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, extensive reading is for 
students who are already literate. <laughs> oh, typically. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we're very fortunate here at the at this university that um, after their six years of education at in the, the junior and senior high school uh, level of reading te text intensively, that is translating text, doing grammar activities, doing vocabulary activities, that after all of that, they've come to Kansai Gaidai and they can now read very well, or at least well enough to be able to pick up a book with 400 headwords and, um, and finish it within an hour and understand it. So uh, it's just the case that uh, most of them have not had that experience before. In fact, a lot of them have just read very short passages uh, consisting of a paragraph that they take apart and, and analyze and, um, and, and make a complete study of. But did they enjoy their experience? Well, maybe some of them did, but I suspect a lot of them haven't. But it did produce uh, people who can now read, and so they're ready to do the kind of reading that, that we ask them to do now. What data or statistics or um, empirical studies have been done to measure reading levels, uh, comprehension levels before uh, graded reader or extensive reading has been put uh, or used, used in the, in the class. classroom mm -hmm. and after? Well, you know, there's actually a lot of controversy uh, in the, within the research about uh, the, the results, what kind of reader uh, or what kind of language student uh, the graded reading um, or reading graded readers um, produces. Uh, there's lots of affective research, which is to say a lot of questionnaires of the students that, that if the students are reporting accurately, uh, they are becoming more confident readers. And, and it has been established that students do over time become uh, faster readers. And, but in terms of actual language development, the students are now better writers or they are better speakers. There is literature out there now that does say that being exposed to massive amounts of input, which is what extensive reading is, does translate into uh, these other uh, skill areas. But there are people who dispute that because it's so hard to separate, uh, a, to be able to attribute to the amount of reading a student is doing, um, their language growth when they're getting input from so many other so uh, sources. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Well, it, to me, it all goes to what school of teaching you're, you're going for. Mm. Are you going for immediate results? Are you going for test levels to pop up the charts quickly? Or are you in it for the long haul? I think extensive reading is for the long haul. Mm. Um, it's just like lower language uh, learners when they're, they're first learning the language or even now in beginning or high beginners, you don't always correct them because mm. you want them to master a fluency rather than exact precision. Mm. And if you keep correcting them, they'll lose confidence mm. or won't develop the confidence that they need to take risk later on in the future. Mm -hmm. And to me, extensive reading is the same way. That you, like it's made for, it's for pleasure. It's to get them the confidence and the enjoyment of learning to read, which a lot of our students <laughs> just don't do, not in their native language, not mm -hmm. in any language. <clears throat> yeah. 
And so it's just to develop their reading styles for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's follow that thread for a second. How have your students reacted to this uh, reading lots of books? You know, um, you know what kind of you know how, what responsibility do they have for it? Do they enjoy doing the books? Do, do they you know do you beat them with a stick after you, do it or... you know? Yeah, the whole range of responses from from well, this is just what's required, and this is what I'll do, and I'm going to make put in minimal effort to get it done because this is what he wants from me. To wow, this is the first book I've ever finished reading in English. This is oh, fantastic. Wow. Uh, and or students who say, yeah, I'm ready for the next level. I Please, can I start reading level two? Or can I start reading level three? Or can I read two books this week rather than one? And it, those kinds of uh, reactions always um, are, are a great joy uh, to hear. So, but they all come through. I ask them to read about 14 books per semester, and they do. And by the end of the year, they've read... 28 to 30 books on average, and some of them will read uh, four or five books over the summer, the, uh, reading that's not required of them. Mm-hmm. So, and I do have little encouragements to uh, little competitions, uh, dictionary I'll give away at the end of the semester to the student who, who reads the most, but that's, I don't imagine, is a, a large factor in their, their desire to, to, uh, to do the reading that they're doing. I, I, of course, they're, they're working for a grade as well. Um, but I have had students tell me that they have continued to read after the program is over when they no, don't need good. to be um, doing well, that. Well, that just goes back to the old public school adage, you try to reach just one student. Mm. Uh, whereas, I mean, it sounds like you're reaching a lot more. And a lot more are finding pleasure and wanting to continue, maybe not with graded readers, but just reading in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I certainly hope so. And some of them have said that they, they do do that. But I think we can trust that... that uh, it, it is pretty clear that you know the human brain is a pattern recognizing machine, and if a student is exposed to um, a lot of language, they are going to start to um, unconsciously, subconsciously uh, pick out the patterns that are there. And it does seem logical that by extension that would translate into their writing and um, their speaking as well. Um, And that's why the graded readers are written so that at each level the students encounter the same grammatical structures over and over and over and uh, the same vocabulary over and over and over so that their word recognition um, becomes automatic and so that they are reading words in groups and they are therefore becoming more fluent and then therefore becoming uh, more able to understand what they're reading and therefore enjoying what they're reading more. Mm-hmm. Let me let me jump back a second because uh, the reason I had asked the previous question was because of a, an experience that I'd had. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I, I run my classes is very student guided. Mm-hmm. It's it's more than student centered. It's a it's a little different idea. It's it's kind of the whole. Uh, here's the rope. There's the tree. Go do what you're gonna do. Are you gonna go build a swing set? Or are you gonna go tie a noose and hang yourself? Um, I, you know, I'm there to guide them and make sure that they don't hang themselves, but oh, I thought you were going to show them the knot for that. I've done that <laughs> <laughs> and encouraged it. Um, uh, but students have a really hard time with, okay, I'm in three days. You're going to give me a speech about something. 
and the students are like about what and i say i don't care what something you're interested in something you're passionate about doesn't matter what the topic is because that's not the point and a bunch of students really had a hard time coming to terms with this total freedom that they seem to have where they can do little or a lot without you know well what's my test going to be or you know things like that and so i i've actually had students come to me and say no i want to do drills uh, have you had that kind of reaction at all where the students are like i don't like this because i don't have my structure that all my other teachers up to this point have given me and required of me well in fact yeah the the extensive reading uh, is pretty learner centered in that 95% of the work of the reading is done outside of class. All the writing is done outside of class. And they do have the freedom of choosing what it, it from the books that I provide them, what they want to read. Um, but I'm telling them, you have to read something. And it has to be something that from that I'm offering you. So there is that level of structure mm -hmm. there. Um, so for the in-class, yeah, I haven't gotten any of those kinds of responses from my students because I really control them once I got them in the classroom. Mm. They're really on task and doing their other intensive reading tasks that they have an intensive reading text for. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, they're... So they're, not really. They, they, yeah. They're getting the pain. Because what I've it's yeah. it's like it's like they're all kind of little masochists. They need mm. to be beaten. They feel like they need to be and I'm beaten. The man to do it. That's right. Uh, in order to feel like they're learning something, you know, it's that whole. It's the whole. Well, if it was good enough for my daddy, it's good enough for me, and it'll be good enough for you. And well, now that you mention it, there of course there is a little bit of the attitude of no no pain no gain. Yeah. So if a student has a book that is level one and I'm telling them it's taking them about an hour to read and I'm telling them look that's about your level and then they finish the book and they say well that wasn't really satisfying and they'll write in their summaries that wasn't really satisfying and I say okay we'll try level two and then it takes them two hours to read one book and I tell them look you're not developing your reading fluency if it's taking you two hours to read the book and they're saying but I'm learning new vocabulary and I'm learning new things from this 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 book and I say well the objective of this is that you really uh, uh, develop your uh, your reading fluency and if it's taking you two hours to read the book you're looking up words you're slowing down you gotta well you have to read some of the, what you think is the simpler stuff before you can move on to the later stuff and most of them find that that uh, that agreeable mm. that brings up a good point um, for for the Oxford readers and the Penguins and all those books, they average what about for the lower levels sixty pages, fifty to sixty pages for levels one as low two. as as low as forty. Okay, so out of those forty to sixty pages, how many new vocabulary words should there be for a level that is adequate for them? Mm, that's a good question, and that goes to the question of how does the student know what level they're at, what book they should be reading. Um, I've had my students enough, I've had the same sorts of students for enough over these last three years that now I just tell them all start at level one and if you're finishing it very quickly um, go to level two. But there are other measures and to answer your question then, uh, uh, some teachers uh, say 
if the students know if there are, are any more than two to three unknown words per page and the students are reading about 80 to 100 words a minute which is about 80 about 8 to 10 lines and they're like 10 lines on a page 20 lines on a page say then uh, that's enough for them or rather they should be not reading anything more difficult than that okay yeah yeah cool I was going to say something else about that, but I kind of lost my, <laughs> my train on that. Yeah. That that one there. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. um. Okay. I had another question back. You you have an extensive um, reading book that you use, and and the things with the Oxford they're not just made for extensive reading because they have questions in the back for mm. each chapter, mm. and and most books are divided into around six chapters, mm. and they have questions for that which kind of defeats the purpose of extensive reading. So do you ever use the same readers for intensive reading um, exercises? Yeah, I do. And I don't in my reading and writing classes. I use it for my um, listening and speaking classes. I use like The Secret Garden, which is a level three book. And I'll use a, um, I'll use a Christmas Carol, uh, another Oxford University Press book another level three book. And they do have the activity questions at the back of the book. But in fact, I find those, typically those questions are, are factually oriented and they don't really ask the student to do a lot of deep thinking. So I've written a lot of... It, it's more skimming and scanning questions. Yeah, they're, they're reading skills questions rather than um, let's go in a little deeper with this and let's have something to talk about kinds of questions. So when I do use a graded reader intensively, it's not to study the language, but it's to study the story so that we can get the ideas so that we have something to talk about. So, you know, The Secret Garden is great for that, Story of Growth and Transformation. Again, A Christmas Carol is a great positive story and end the, um, uh, the, each text with the, with the book or with the movie. Cool. All right. Yeah, yeah I like texts with movies. I use those quite a bit. Yeah. You, you can get the students to, uh, start talking about <clears throat> all right what's the difference between the the book and the movie were you surprised at the changes and what well what were the changes and uh and why do you think they did that so, mm -hmm. yeah, but that's not er so no and i tell the students though if they want to do those activities please by all means go ahead and i'll give you the answers after you've you've finished you know they really can help you uh get a deeper understanding of the story um if if you if you want but i think you're I think I tell them I think you're per perfectly capable of doing that on your own. You don't need these activities at this level of simplicity to to help you understand a story. Cool. For um, well, we'll have another teacher. We're we're carrying extensive reading onto the next week um, to find out what another professor, a colleague of ours, is doing in the field. Um, but I know I'll I'll give you a little spoiler. Well, this isn't what he's doing right now, but he has his students uh, give summaries of the books that they read in class mm. to each other, then kind of jigsaw that and mm. and so forth. Um, in class, do you have it just do you have it just as an out of class assignment, or do you have them do anything in class with it? Yeah. Almost entirely out of class, though at the beginning of the semester, since it is a writing class as well, um, and they are writing summaries and reactions, although I'm not asking them to write their summaries and reactions as a writing activity, 
to meet the writing objectives for the class, uh, uh, since they are, since it is a writing class, we will spend a little time um, practicing sentence combining, for example, with examples that I've drawn from their texts, and maybe three grammar-focused book journal, they're called, or summary and reaction report um, activities, or three different days spent on how to write a good summary and how to write a good reaction report is about as much uh, attention as I give the, the writing and therefore um, uh, in-class time uh, for the writing of their, for the writing component of their extensive reading. However, that said, there is a speaking and listening component occasionally in my class in that I will have them sit in groups of four and I will have them uh, introduce their books to each other and give their review without giving away the ending to their, their peers so that they can uh, learn from each other. Uh, what kinds of books they're reading, whether they like them or not, whether it's a book they should read or not, and of course also practice their, their, uh, speaking, their ability. speaking ability as well. It usually comes down to a kind of programmed and formulaic activity where, the, you, know, they, you know, this is my book, uh, it's 40 pages long, it took me an hour to read, I gave it two points, in other words I thought it was good, and uh, this is what the story is about, and they will read from their book journal. And then this is what I thought about the story, and they will read their reaction. Do you have any questions? Next. Uh, I, I have a question. Can, yeah. I, can I ask a question? No. No question for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, recently, you just spoke in Kyoto at a symposium. It was called the Macmillan Language House Kyoto Gaidai Daigaku Colloquium on Extensive Reading. Wow. Well, they need to pay us. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. So what was your um, presentation about? Uh, or speech or whatever mm. it was? The results of a reading questionnaire given to um, about 1,300 entering university students here at Kansai Gaidai and uh, a couple dozen students at um, another university in Okayama to ask them about their prior experiences in reading English and uh, what their attitudes are right now and what kinds of reading they would like to do now that they're in the university. And how would this help uh, extensive reading uh, research and just field in general? Well, we did find out from the students what they what they did enjoy, um, what they wanted to read most. Um, most of them, the the overwhelming majority, ninety percent, said they wanted to be able to read uh, music lyrics. That was their <laughs> goal to be able to read music lyrics. At least they were able to give an answer. <laughs> That's true. And um, there, interestingly, there was very little difference between the, um, uh, in, in gender, that is, there were very mm. little difference in how they, they responded um, to what their kinds of, what their reading preferences were. Uh, a lot of the students said, I'm not confident in English. I'm not confident in reading my English, but Paired with that, or several questions later, they asked whether they enjoyed reading in English in their junior and senior high school years. And 80% said they enjoyed it, and 15% or something like that said they had uh, little confidence in their ability. 
a teacher pointed out to me later that he thought, well, that may be cultural. They don't want to say, I am, oh, yes, I am a confident reader in English. Right, right. And, um, but it is interesting that after all those years of reading that they did still feel like they had little confident, confidence, and yet they're all capable readers right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Excellent. What what other what other um, official things have you done, or what? what, what mm. Okay. So Tracy Kramer is the teacher. What what are your interests outside of uh, of extensive reading, or you know what what are what else do you have your your hands in? Uh, well, listening, speaking occupies a lot of my thoughts because it's an intensive class, meets four days a week, and I'm very interested in. Um, global issues in language education. It's called JILE here in Japan, or Teachers for Social Responsibility, as it's known internationally. And that is, how do we get our students thinking critically about critical social, environmental anything. issues? Anything. <laughs> yeah, maybe anything issues, anything other than what's offered in the, uh, the standard um, EFL textbooks, which really don't have a, which really aren't very internationally minded um, culturally, let alone um, uh, topically uh, around larger issues affecting our lives. So uh, I'm trying to learn how to bring more of that into the classroom, and I'm finding some success uh, in that regard with a video series called Families of the World. I get a lot of pleasure out of that. Each of them are 30 minutes long. They're, they're um, little uh, mini documentaries uh, narrated by two children from a different country around the world, many of them third world or developing as well as first world. That profiles the country and then I have the students do research around that as well as and, and, and talk about the issues that are, are germane to that country. Um, what's what's next on your plate as far as like uh, presentations or papers. or anything? What papers? Do you have anything coming up? No, just to refine what's already what I've already done with that that reading survey that mm -hmm. I just spoke about. Do hopefully do a presentation on that at JALT this November in Kitakyushu and with uh, my partner Rob Waring, and um, perhaps do that as well at TESOL next year. Lead a discussion group on. Uh, extensive reading at TESOL next year, and maybe even a presentation, a video theater presentation on that families of the world and uh, the global issues that you can pull out of that also for TESOL next year. All of that's pending uh, approval from so Tracy Kramer coming to a presentation near you. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully. So we got one in uh, for the JALT in November mm. this year, 2006. Which stands for? Uh, I don't know. Japan uh, assistant language teaching. Close, close. It's the Jap Japan Association <laughs> of Language Teachers, and that's in Kita Kyushu. And yes, and there will be an extensive reading forum or colloquium with uh, eleven or twelve different presenters, all in the same room together. Jello um, wrestling. Jello wrestling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that actually, I'd pay to see that. Sign. <laughs> there we go. Well, please come. I will be the coordinator at that event. I won't be presenting, but uh, it, it, it's a very informative way to um, get turned on to what's what's happening in this field. Cool. And you're looking at uh, TESOL for next year? Hopefully in Seattle in March, we'll have a couple of presentations approved. Actually, one of them already is approved through the EFL interest section. They've approved the discussion group. Uh, proposals, so that is kind. Of, that's kind of an, 
automatic. It, I'm in. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so, uh, if you would tell our listeners if uh, they have any questions, they can, of course, email us. But if they would like to email you directly, uh, how should they do that? Absolutely. Please email me at Kramer, C-R-A-M-E-R, dot Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at gmail.com. And for far more information than, than you could ever get from me, please visit www.extensivereading, one word, extensivereading.net. All extensivereading.net. Okay. Yep. That will be in the show notes also uh, for yep. anyone who wants to go to education.org, www.edgycation.org. Uh, you can email me at Scott Duarte, S-C-O-T-T-D-U-A-R-T-E, all one word, lowercase, at education.org. And you can email me, S-C-O-T-T, at education.org, Scott at education.org. We would love to just send us a shout-out. Let us know if you are actually, well, that you are actually listening. <laughs> um, we'd love to know if we have any kind of... Uh, out oh, there. Scott's getting lonely. He, I, I know. I've seen the download numbers. I know you're out there. I need some love. It's like Santa Claus, man. You just gotta have faith. And anyway, <laughs> uh, so, but seriously, do uh, do send us a send us a little email, uh, particularly if you have questions for Tracy. I see him a fair bit. Uh, he's he's always around, and so I can. Uh, if you send the email to me, questions to me. I can ship him over to Tracy. We can uh, probably occasionally even pull him back in. And uh, if you if you ask real nice, we can pull him back in and He's have him answer some now. of your questions about uh, ER, not the show. But thank you for a very educational and informative and enjoyable show. Yes. Thanks for the invitation, guys. Yes, thank you not very much problem. for coming. We appreciate it. Um, okay, we are going to wrap this puppy up. Next week will be extensive reading part two with... Um, our colleague, Professor Paul Goldberg, joining yep. us. Yeah, Paul's going to talk a little bit more about his version of extension, extensive reading and what he's doing, and uh, we'll have a little bit of compare, compare and contrast between uh, what Paul and Tracy are doing. So, Scott can talk next week. Yes, I But will. it would be a great chance. Um, email us, and since we are carrying the topic over, it will be a perfect um, time to address any ER concerns you have yes and uh i'm sure that if uh if you give us enough time we probably can rope tracy into another day too or at least part of another day so i'm just three feet away just yeah. give a yell that's right that's right <laughs> so uh thanks going out to uh mark glasgow at podcastthemes.com thank you you rock uh and uh apologies going out to uh george clooney and uh, <laughs> anybody who is associated with ER, I don't know if I'm going to apologize to Senor Crichton or not. I don't think so. Anyway. He's cool about yeah. it. He, he gets it. He gets it. All right. Anyway, uh, peace out. Have a Take great care, uh, time. Thank you very much for listening. We wait for your emails. Send some. So Scott quits asking me about it. <laughs> peace. See ya. Peace.